0: Welcome to Passion Life Church. Thanks for coming to church on this incredible Super Bowl Sunday. All right, so how many of you think that the Chiefs are going to take it? Let me see your hands. The Chiefs are going to take it. The Chiefs are going to take it. All right, four of you. Okay, great. Come on, the San Francisco 49ers. Anybody? All right. How many of you do not care? Let me see your hands. Okay. That's, That's the majority of you. You're all in church. Everybody else that cared didn't come to church today. But thank you for putting Jesus before the NFL today. We're going to finish this series that we've entitled getting your life back. And um, then we're going to take some communion. And that's always a special time in the presence of God. And uh, today, I want to talk to you about how we can flourish even in a famine. And if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 26, verse one, Genesis chapter 26, verse one. Last week, we looked at the promise of God, that in Joel chapter two, verse 25, it says, I will restore. Joel says, I will restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten and the cankerworm and the caterpillar. we went through last week God's promise of restoration in the Old Testament. We actually went through promises in the New Testament. We've looked at some stories and today we're going to look at another story, but I just want to say, as you're turning to Genesis chapter 26, verse one, when we start talking about restoration and when we start talking about recovery, a lot of times what we begin to think is we, we think about restoring to the original and depending on what kind of loss you had in your life, sometimes some people have had losses in relationship, maybe a loved one, or maybe you're here today and you lost your innocence at a young age because because you came in touch with evil people who, who really hurt your life. And I apologize for that. But a lot of times when we think about restoration, we think of going back to the original. Well, a lot of times, depending on what kind of loss you had, you can't go back to the original because the original is gone. I've lost my father this last year and right restoration doesn't mean that I'm going to go home today and my dad's going to be sitting on the couch, right? That's not restoration. Restoration is what God can do in our lives, but oftentimes what happens is because we think, well, we can't go back to the original, well, then restoration doesn't apply to me. No, restoration is still a promise that God has given all of us. And so we've gotta let God define it instead of in our mind trying to think, well, this is how restoration is gonna happen, this is how, or that's the way that God is gonna restore it. Let God define it and let that promise come to pass in your life. You may say, you know, Phil, I was in a marriage for 10 years with this guy and he was a jerk. And now, you know, we are divorced and I can't get those 10 years back. How how does restoration apply to me. Can I tell you, maybe it might apply to you like we talked about last week, that in this moment, God can restore to you the fruit of those lost years where you have so much fruit in your life today, that you don't have a sense of loss anymore. Can I hear a good amen? Because God can redeem the time. And I just want to encourage you to go back and listen to some of these messages. A lot of people in the body of Christ are not talking about this particular promise. I haven't really heard it preached. I've heard it preached by two pastors. One was my pastor and another. And this is a promise that God wants us to wrap our faith around and put it in. If you're needing restoration, let's believe for it. But let's not let the devil rob us just because we think, well, I can't go back to the original. No, let's let God define it in our lives and let him bring it to pass. Now in Genesis chapter 26, verse one, we're going to look at a story and you're not going to see the word restoration. You won't see that. But it's a story about a guy by the name of Isaac, our forefather Abraham, father of our faith. The Bible says that God made him a promise. And it's a promise that is made to you in the New Testament that says that if you are in Christ, you are Abraham's seed. The promise is this, that God will bless you. And then you will be a blessing. So it is twofold. It is God will bless you and you will be a blessing. And so Isaac is the son of Abraham. And we're going to look at this story. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 26 today. So let's talk about how we can flourish in a famine. Genesis chapter 26 verse 1. There was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, the king of the the Philistines in Gerar. Then the Lord appeared to him and said do not go down to Egypt. So now there is a famine in the land and Isaac is thinking how do I know he's thinking this because the Lord's telling him not to go to Egypt. So Isaac somehow is thinking I need to go to Egypt. Now why did people go to Egypt? People went to Egypt in that time because the e- Egypt ha- was very powerful. They had a lot of resources because of the Nile River. So in a land of famine, people thought let's go to Egypt. But God told Isaac, I don't want you to go to Egypt. He says, live in the land, which I shall tell you. So Isaac is living in this land of promise, right? Where he thought, man, this is my land of promise. But then there's a famine. There's a famine that comes. And this famine pushes Isaac out of where he was living. Let me say it this way. It pushed Isaac out from where he wanted to live. Now, This famine wasn't Isaac's fault. Remember, we went through some stories about people because of their own fault. They lost and they had loss and God still restored. This had nothing to do with Isaac's decision. This was out of Isaac's control. There was a famine and the famine brought loss, right? Now, here's what could have happened. The Bible doesn't say they could have experienced famine because there was a drought. A lot of times drought brings famine. And famine brought disease and even death. You say, Pastor Phil, how does this relate to me? Because some of us in this room have are in a loss because of a famine. And not because you're growing crops at home, but because maybe it is a financial famine, it is a relational famine, and it's bringing loss to your life. And what happens in those moments is maybe you can relate to Isaac is you have to move out from where you want to be. You didn't want to live here. You didn't think like, man, this is where I would be in 2020. I would not be in this place, but because of the famine, it drove you out because of the relational famine, because of the financial famine. You're not where you thought you would be. You are here today and you actually say, this is not my dream. This is not where I thought I would be. How many of you have ever been there? You go, man, this is not where I thought I'd be financially. This is not where I thought I'd be at 45. This is not where I thought I would be. But it was a decision, right, that you didn't make. It was a famine outside of your control that drove you out from where you thought you would be. This is where Isaac finds himself, right? And so you can think life is a certain way. I thought even in 2020, right, we are in February 2nd already of 2020. Can you believe it? Right. Right. How many of you are really doing good with your new year's resolutions? Let me see your hands. Okay. And those weren't even full hands. Those are like this. How many of us, you messed up already. Let let me see your hand. Okay. I'm with you people here. But let me just say, I didn't start 2020 like I thought I was. I thought, man, 2020 is gonna be a great year and I'm believing for that. We're believing for that. But the first month in 2020, actually from December 2019, right? My back has been going out and uh, it's, it's it affected how I've walked. It, it's affected a whole bunch of things. And so I've already felt like, man, there can be a famine. I'm, I'm losing out on opportunities, but I, I wanna say that God's doing a great work and uh, I feel great today and I feel like I, I'm moving forward. But what I'm telling you is that we can come to a place where we feel like there are situations outside of my control. But here's number one, if we're going to flourish in a famine, let me give you three ways. You have to realize that when you move, God moves with you. See, when Isaac was pushed out of his promised land, Here's what happened. God didn't leave him. God actually went with him. And so right now, wherever you're at, financially, relationally, here's the great news. You are not alone because God is with you. Can I hear a good amen? He promises us to never leave us and forsake us. Look in Genesis chapter 26, verse three. It says this, God said, dwell in the land and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants, I will give all the land. And I will perform the oath that I swore to your Abraham, your father. I thought this was interesting because even though he's in a different place, God's promise didn't change. You know, today when we were singing "Waymaker, promise keeper, this is the incredible grace of God. Do you know that he keeps his promise even when you don't keep your promises? Do you know that he's faithful to you even when you're not faithful to him? That when you quit on him, he never quits on you. That is a faithful God. And I was just sitting there how many times where I said I would do things. I didn't do it. And I'm not a promise keeper. I do my best, but every once in a while I'll say, I'm going to do stuff. And I forget. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody tell your kids, you're going to do something and you don't do it. Right. And what I'm saying to you is that's unlike God, because when God gives us promises, he always keeps them. Can I hear you a good amen? You serve a promise keeper despite the circumstance, despite the circumstance that is happening. So when you move, God moves with you. And I want you to notice what God says to Isaac. He says, I want you to dwell. Everybody say dwell. That word dwell in the Hebrew means this. It means rest in peace and security. Now I know Isaac, you're not where you thought you would be. You've been pushed out of your promised land, but God says this, when you moved, I didn't leave you alone. I moved with you. And here's what I want you to do, Isaac. I want you to dwell. What does that mean? I want you to have peace. I want you to have rest. And I want you to have security. Do you know where those three things come from my church family? Peace, rest, and security. They only come from the presence of God. And so no matter where you are, he is with you. And when he is with you, you can rest in his presence. And I'm going to tell you today, in today's world, in our busyness, we need to learn how to rest in his presence. Some of us are going cray cray, right? Some of us are worrying. And I want to remind you who is with you. There is more that is with you than is against you because the power of God rests in the presence of God. And he's right with you no matter where you are. Even if you thought you wouldn't be in this place, the good news is, is his presence is with you. His presence. So here's the great news. When change comes and it comes, life changes, right? Here's the reality. When change comes, I can adjust to change, right? Because of who's with me. Now, let me just say this. A lot of us don't like change. I think it's funny because I can tell who's at church because some of you sit in the same seat every single week. You have butt prints in that, in that chair. Every week you sit in the same spot. That's how we are. I was like, okay. And then someone, I, I've seen some of you come in and you see somebody sitting there like, Hey, that's my seat. It's not your seat. It's Marietta Vista, Marietta High School's seat. But you lo- we just love change and we gravitate toward change. And all of a sudden when things come up and things come and they, they switch us to do something a different, a different routine, let, can I just tell you, God is with you and you need to hold on to his presence. But I also want to encourage you, God does love new. God does and is the master of change. So whatever change you're going through, God didn't fall off the throne because Isaac got pushed out of his land. God didn't say, oh, me, I I don't know what to do. He didn't say that. As a matter of fact, the change that came into your life is not a shock to God. But what he does is he stays right with you. And he says, right where you are, I want you to dwell in my presence. Is this good this morning? And so even though you got pushed out of your promised land, God says, I want you to rest. Everybody say that with me. Say rest, rest, have peace and security and security. Can I just remind us today? You've heard me say this before. Peace is not the absence of trouble. Peace is the presence of God. Peace is not the absence of trouble. Just because actually the Bible says in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. And so sometimes we look at our trouble and then we go, well, I must not have a lot of peace. Cause there's a lot of trouble. No, the truth is, is you have peace. Don't measure your peace by your trouble. Amen. And your, his presence is with you, right? And here's, what's great. What would have been chaos in, in Isaac's life, right? He's being pushed out. He's being pushed out of a land that he didn't want to, what should be chaos actually with God with him, with God being with him, right? He's at peace. He's at rest and with security, right? Because it's easy for Isaac to look back and go that promised land. Oh, that's where my peace was. That's where my resting place was. And God's saying, no, I want to be your peace. I want to be your security. Come on. I want to be your resting place. No matter where you are. Look at verse, Verse four and five, Genesis 26. And God says, I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of the heaven. This is the promise that he actually gave to his father. And I will give you to your descendants, all the lands and in your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statues and my laws. Watch this. Isaac, Abraham's son, is a recipient of the blessings of his father's obedience. Parents, this is so important. Your kids will be affected by your obedience or lack thereof. I'm very conscious of that. It's amazing how we can know the names, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and they were all blessed. But you know why a majority of them were blessed was because a majority of the reason why was because their father Abraham obeyed God's promise. I can tell you this out of 20 years of youth ministry before I became a senior, I don't like to use the word senior pastor, lead pastor. I'm not a senior, I'm only 47. And so anyway, I can't tell you how many parents I've counseled and they want to know why their kids are in the way and the shape that they're at. And he doesn't want to come to church. And so I would just say, do you come to church? Oh no, we don't come. We drop him off. Oh, that's great. So church is good for your kids, but it's not good for you. And most of the time I realized I didn't have to counsel the kids, the youth, I had to counsel the parents. Can I just, can I be straight up with you? I sat down one day with a a father, and he was upset that his 12-year-old girl, his 12-year-old daughter was seeing boys. And she was a very attractive girl. She was sitting there. He was sitting there. And he's very upset because she's dating. He found that she was texting and all this stuff. And one of the things, listen, I'm Pastor Phil. I'm not Dr. Phil. But I will tell you this. One of the things I know about counseling is first thing you have to do is find out some history. Just like when you go to the doctor, they ask you about your history. So I start talking to him. And what I found was so I was actually offended. Now, I don't get offended a lot. I don't feel like this is my year that I believe that I will be unoffendable. Right. Why is that, Pastor Phil? Because dead people don't get offended. Paul said, right. Paul said it is not I who live, but Christ lives in me. I've never seen a dead person get up and go, I'm offended. Right. They just don't. But this offended me because I asked him about his living situation and this father, and I'm not trying to judge. I'm just trying to give you an understanding. This father was living with his girlfriend, not married. And can I just tell you, if you're living with someone who is not your spouse, that is not right in the eyes of God. And you can't expect your kids to be blessed when you're not living for God. I'm going to say it to the screen so nobody thinks that I'm trying to point at anybody. But you know what? You are an example. You are the parent and God expects you to lead that house. Come on. Amen. You're the leader. You're the leader. And Isaac is blessed because of his dad's obedience. Actually, what you even see is that Abraham's grandkids are blessed because of his obedience. Man, that's powerful. When you have a, a, a mindset that what you do right now is not only gonna affect your kids, but actually gonna affect your grandkids, it'll sober you up you start thinking about decisions differently, right? Verse six, it says, so Isaac dwelt, he's resting in, in peace and security. So here he is, right? In this land that he didn't want to be in, but he is because of the famine. Verse seven, watch out. Everything's gonna change right here. Verse seven, and the men of the place asked about his wife. Ooh, who is that woman? Man, she's hot. Did I see her on Tinder? No, I don't see her on Tinder who's that woman? And they asked Isaac, hey man, who's that girl you're with? Look at Isaac's answer. She's my sister. For he was afraid to say she was my wife because he thought at least the men of the place will kill him for Rebecca because she was beautiful to behold. This was before they had the soap opera, the bold and the beautiful. This was the beautiful to behold. This was the first episode. Now history tells us Rebecca was some type of woman. She was beautiful. Why do I bring this up? Because all of a sudden, what did God tell Isaac? Dwell, right? I want you to dwell in peace, rest, and security. And the Bible says, he starts saying things. This isn't my wife. This is my sister because fear starts to creep in. And I wanna encourage you today that just because you're dwelling in safety and peace and rest, fear is going to try to grip your heart. It's very important. And fear will make you say stupid things. It really will. Look at this. God said, wait, rest in peace and security. Now it's interesting. You can be resting, and then fear is going to come in. And it always does. It's going to try to mess you up. And so Isaac allows fear to grip his heart. And look at Isaac's response. He said, yeah, that was my sister. Because if you thought she was my wife, you would kill me. Wow, how selfish. Come on, Isaac. Yeah, that, you are every woman's dream. Every woman dreams of a man that will hide behind her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Come on, Isaac, grow a backbone. Why well, I said she was my sister? Because I didn't want them to kill me. Kill her. What kind of man are you, Isaac? You're being a punk. I saw some men go like this in their sheet. <laughs> this is what fear will do. It'll grip your heart. And look at verse 8. Now it came to pass that the king. Abimelech of the Philistines looked out the window and he saw there was Isaac showing endearment to Rebecca, his wife. Then Abimelech called Isaac and said, quite obviously, she is your wife. So how do you say she is my sister? Abimelech's pretty smart because he's like, people don't look at their sisters that way. They just don't. And Isaac said to him, "Because I said, least I die on her account. yet yeah, God forbid Isaac that you die for your wife. Isn't that what we say, right? Till death, do us part, but it really didn't mean that. Right? He says, "I don't want to die." And Isaac is only thinking about himself. Watch this, and Abimelech said, "This is the king of the Philistines. This is what he says. He says, "What has this done? what have you done to us, Isaac? One of my people soon have laid with your wife and you would have brought guilt on all of us. So Abimelech charged all his people saying, he who touches this man and his wife shall surely be put to death. It's interesting that the king of the Philistines is showing more honor than the son of promise. And right here, something happens in Isaac's life, right? He receives correction. From the Philistine king. And so there's a change that happened in Isaac's life. And we're gonna shift here. Verse 12 says this Then Isaac sowed in the land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. So, number one, when you move, God moves with you. But if you're gonna flourish in famine, here's number two you're gonna to have to sow again. Now, this may not mean a lot to you, but I will tell you this. The thing that happens is that when we experience loss, right? When we experience loss, we can get real introverted. We can get real self-absorbent, right? Where we just start focusing on ourself. But Isaac decides to do something extraordinary. In a famine, he decides to sow. Now, when people have loss, they don't usually do this right? Because they keep focusing on the famine. But here's the reality. If you're going to get out of the famine of your life, you got to stop focusing on the famine. You got to start focusing on the future. Because there are people that although we are in 2020, they are still in 2017, because they are still stuck in their famine, because they can't see past the famine to the future. But I want to tell you that God wants a great future for your life. Can I hear a good amen today? But here's the truth: we all focus on famine when you're in famine. I don't know how this is going to change. I don't know what's going to happen, right? But here's the truth: if you will sow again, the Bible says that Isaac actually sowed in the land where there was famine, and God brought about a hundredfold in his life. And here's what I've discovered. and I think you've discovered it too. When you've been hurt, when you suffered loss, we withdraw and we withdraw, right? And there's a natural tendency to start to implode on the inside, right? You start to collapse inwardly. You're still here, yeah. You gotta keep moving forward, man, I feel I gotta keep moving forward, right? You're still functioning. And some of you in this room, you're still going through life, but here's the thing, you're not fully alive. You're actually, because of the famine and because of the loss, you just start going through the motions. You start going through the motions. You're not engaged anymore. You know, one of the things I want to do, and it's been a goal of mine, and I know this sounds really funny, but it's so true. I want to, wherever I am, I want to be totally there. I don't want to be sitting at dinner with my family and my mind be somewhere else. This is challenging to me. Wherever I am, I want, like some of you are here, but you're thinking about the Super Bowl. So you're not here. But let me just tell you this. What a waste of time then. If you're going to be here, be all in and go, God, what do you have for me? Man, what do you have for my life today? And it's hard, right? Because I have ADD, ADHD, AT&T, Sprint, Verizon, Wireless. It's all in here, baby. It's all going on right here. I'm picking up all of it. And if I don't focus, even right now, as I'm preaching the message, I could be thinking something else. But I want to be where I'm at, and I want to be all the way in. Can I hear a good amen? Because I want to get everything out of what God has for me, right? Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. But I don't wanna be in life and not be fully alive because I'm going through the motions, right? And often, you know what, that happen, you know what happens? That often happens because we're afraid, because we've had loss. And so Isaac does something or extraordinary. He sows, and the Bible says in one year, he reaped a hundredfold, my church family, let me remind you, in a famine. Listen, I'm not a mathlete. I, I didn't do well in math, but I was thinking, hmm, If I were to give 10 bucks, what's a hundred fold on 10 bucks? A hundred? No. A hundred fold on 10 bucks is a thousand. When you start to wrap your mind around something, listen, this is why the devil fights you so hard on your giving because it will break you out of your famine. It will break you out of where you're at. Now, he sows, right? He sows. Now, you have to start sowing again. I'm going to tell you why. Because in loss, if you don't start sowing, you are going to stay in the famine. Loss always looks at what it doesn't have. I don't have any friends. I wish I had some friends. You're not going to have friends, the Bible says, until you show yourself friendly. That is sowing. Well, now when he talks to me. Yeah, it's probably because you talk that way. I don't know. I don't know. Nobody wants to be my friend. I don't know. Maybe if you smiled, I'd want to be your friend because you look like you're going to kill me. <laughs> I mean, I'm a man of faith, but I'm also a man of wisdom. I'm not stupid. Right? You laugh, but these are people that I counsel. And as I'm counseling, nobody like, likes me. I'm like, I don't even like you right now. I'm not even sure Jesus likes you, but it's in the Bible, so he does. But if you don't sow your friendship, you won't have any friends. And I love the people. I don't need friends. That's fine. But you know what? I've counseled many of those people that they came off. I don't need no friends. And guess what? Deep down inside, they're really hurting. But my church family, can I encourage you? A seed that you sow is an investment in your future. I was thinking about this because a lot of times when we think sowing a seed, we only think money. But can you imagine, watch this, a hundred fold return on the mercy that you give somebody else. Oh, I want that. Can you imagine a hundredfold return on the grace that you give somebody else? Whoo man, that, that's powerful. I ain't going to give them no grace. They don't deserve it. Isn't that what grace is for the undeserving? It is. Come on. Don't look at me like your poop don't stink. It does. And you know what? You need the same grace that I do. Come on, somebody. Right? You're all looking at me like, you need grace too. I need grace. But here's the most incredible thing that I do not understand. The people who need the most grace won't give it. You need the grace of God. And in the grace of God, if you will receive the grace of God, you can give the grace of God. Well, it doesn't seem like anything's happening in my life. My church family, look at your harvest. If you don't like your harvest, change your seed nobody's nice to me. Nobody's nice to you. Change your seed. Here's the reality. Somebody asked me this week with all this giving and receiving stuff, they said, well, this isn't just about you receiving. Why don't we make it all about us? I understand that. It's about giving to other people. But let me just say this. If the Bible says God will not be mocked, Whatever man sows, that will he also reap. It would behoove me to look at what I'm sowing. Because whether you believe it or not, it's coming back to you. Whether you're not giving mercy, you ain't receiving mercy. If you're not giving grace, you're not receiving grace. But why not today as we walk out of here say, you know, I'm going to sow again. I'm going to sow my friendship again. Oh, Pastor Phil, I can't do that. It hurts. I know. And you may get hurt again. But the reality of it is you may have some great friends that come from that seed that you sow. Right? Mercy is going to come back to you. Grace is going to come back to you. Love is going to come back to you. 100 fold. But here's the thing. You're going to have to sow again. Can I hear a good amen? Now, listen, if you're you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down. What you sow shows what you believe about the future. If you're not sowing, it's because you don't believe that there's a better future for your life. You don't believe that there's a better future. What you sow Shows what you believe about the future. Genesis chapter eight, verse 22. The Bible says, while the earth remains, sea time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. Can I, can I say it this way? Give away what you wanna receive. If you want more love, start loving on people. You will not be short of love. Nobody wants to help me. Go help other people. And you know what? God will send people to help you. You sow what you reap, you reap what you sow. When I sow into the future, here's what happens. God moves me forward. You're not gonna grow and move forward if you won't sow. Where does it say that in the Bible? Verse 13 and what we're reading in the King James, it says this, watch what happened to Isaac in a famine It says, and the man waxed great, and he went forward and grew until he became very great. Now, I'm going to tell you what challenges me. If one person can flourish in a famine, then why not me? Well, he's a special. You know what? The truth is, he's just believing the promise of God. And God is not a respecter of people; He's a respecter of principles, and anybody can believe. And so I look at Isaac and I go, "Man, if he can flourish in a in in a, in a famine, so can I." So can I. I can flourish. And God moved him forward. When did he move him forward? When he planted seed and he grew until he became great. Now watch this. The word blessing means this because the Bible says God blessed him. One of the definitions of blessing means to move forward. If you're in a famine, you need to move forward. And when we begin to sow, God blesses us. What does he do? He moves us forward. Here's the second definition. The Bible talks about not only is it a moving forward but blessing the connotation is that your life begins to flow like a river it begins to flow like a river right i will bless you so you can be a blessing that's what we're doing with this passion project now this year right as god is blessing our church through your giving here's what we're doing we're taking that and we are going to be a blessing to 30 to 50 homeless people come on somebody we're not just going <laughs> to expect the wonder we are actually going to be the miracle for somebody else right so there is a river it's not just me 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 it's me and because if you don't have you can't give right so god blesses you first and then it becomes like a river let me just give you a real quick infomercial for the next 8 weeks this don't drink the water series you're really going to like it i'm not going to tell you what it is but it's an 8 week thing that where it's actually two series about the same thing with different titles but i think you're really going to love it because our life is supposed to flow like a river my church family life is not just about receiving It's about giving. The Bible actually says it's better to give than receive. Life is like breathing. There is an inhale and an exhale. Nobody lives on just inhaling. That's receiving. Nobody lives like that. That's my impression of a person who's a taker. You won't live. You gotta. Oh, that's life. But many of us just take, take, take. And when your life begins to flow like a river, when you begin to sow, you start to see not only what God can do for you, but what He can do through you. Come on, somebody, can you give him a good round of applause? So it's time to sow again. Listen, it's time to get reengaged again. And let me say that. I'm kind of hitting this point because when you're in loss, you don't want to reengage again. You want to just withdraw. It's time to stand up. It's time to be who God's called you to be. It start to start loving people again. Come on, somebody. Reaching out to people again. Getting your life back. But as long as you're ruled by fear, you're never going to give. But see, here's what happened. Faith actually believes that God is going to supply. Verse 14. For he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds, talking about Isaac. Watch this. And a great number of servants, so the Philistines envied him. Are you ready? So here's a guy, Isaac, in famine. Everybody's in famine. He comes in, he's not in the land. But you know what? He starts to dwell and rest in security in God's presence. He starts to sow in his life. So not only does he get his life back, guess what happens? People start to want the life that he has. And I just wonder when people look at my life, if they want the life that I have or they go, oh, there's that guy, Phil, he's a Christian. Ooh, I wouldn't want that life. He's always so judgmental. (laughs) I read his Facebook comments and he's always arguing with people. That's the life I want. I wonder when you go to work and you go to school if people envy your life. Where's that in the Bible? The Bible says you and I are the salt of the earth salt was a commodity to be desired in that time. And God so wants you to have his life flowing through you that people will go, man, I don't know what it is, man. What, 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 are you smoking stuff? Are you growing some stuff in your, in your backyard? What are you vaping? No, man. It's just that his life is flowing through me. See, I think that a lot of times we shouldn't even have to really use our words when we preach the gospel, because our life should be a walking billboard that they say, you're so different. I don't know, man. I got We got to have a coffee. You're, you're just you're different. You're you're light in darkness. Right. Come on, somebody that we are the difference. And now Isaac in a famine, the king. Listen, the king the enemy king, the king, the king, the president, the king is desiring a life that a common person has. Why? Because that's what God will do with your life. He will give you your life back, but he'll also give you a life where people are like, I want that. How can you have joy when there's so much hate? How can you have love when there's so much hate? Because it's the life that God has given me. Here's number three. See, if you're going to flourish in famine, know this, God's restoration will actually make your life, a resource to other people. So here is a guy that is in famine, didn't have a lot at the time. And you know what he did? He knew that God was with him. So he sowed and he dwelt. And guess what happened? God blessed him. Didn't bless everybody else but blessed him, and then his life, he started to get envied by his enemies. Why? Because Isaac's life started to flow like a river. See, rivers are always moving. Rivers are resourceful. Can I ask you a question? I wonder when you walk in the room, if people are like, I wonder if people see you as a taker, or they see you as a resource for their life. See, I wanna be resourceful. I wanna be a resource to people, not just a a taker. And here's what Isaac does. Rivers actually uh, are resourceful and the river was released in his life when he began to sow. Can I just encourage us today? Let's unblock the river. Well, Pastor Phil, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. I don't trust anyone. I know, I don't trust you. I'm kidding. Pastor Phil, how do we start trusting somebody? Start trusting them. Or you're gonna live a life like a hermit crab. Why don't you believe that God's gonna give you discernment in the people that you're gonna be around, the people that can be your friends, and you start trusting again. But I wonder what is blocking your life from flowing like a river, because a life that is a dam is no life at all. It's gotta be a life that's a river. And so Isaac, again, came as a stranger and they end up wanting his life. To me, that is the epitome of the Christian life. Can I hear a good amen? And so let me bring this to a close here. In this time, because there was a famine and drought, actually his father, Abraham, Isaac's father, Abraham had dug wells. They would dig wells to get water. And so there was still those wells were around, but the Philistines would come and put dirt in those wells. How dumb, right? And they would put dirt in those wells. But here's what happens because Isaac's life starts to flow as a river. He moves away. The king actually tells um, Isaac, move away. You're, You're becoming so great. They started to fear Isaac now. Hey, move away. Isaac moves away and he starts digging. He starts digging these wells and they find water and they find water. And this little town goes, Hey, 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 hey I see you digging over there. That, that's our water. That's our water. And he's like, okay. So he moves around and he digs again and then he finds water and the people are like, no, 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 that's our water too." that. And, and Isaac's like, okay, but let me just tell you what happens. Everywhere Isaac starts to dig, he finds water everywhere. And everything that Isaac starts to put his hand to starts to prosper and people start to notice. The Bible says, and that's my prayer, that everything that you set your hand to do will prosper. How many of you receive that in the name of Jesus, right? That God is perfecting that which concerns you. And everything that you put your hand to do, every time Isaac started to dig, water came up to the point where the king was like, listen, you need to get out of here. You need to move far away. Watch this, verse 23. Then he went up from there, Beersheba, Beersheba, and the Lord appeared to him, talking to Isaac. I am the Lord, God of your father. Do not fear, I am with you, and I will bless you and multiply your descendants. And actually those descendants are us because we are part of this promise. Verse 25, look at what Isaac did, I love this. So he built an altar there and he called on the name of the Lord, and he pitched his tent, and there Isaac's servants dug a well. You know, when we started on this journey with Isaac, it was all about himself. Remember, protecting himself. Self was number one priority, but now because of God's blessing, because he sowed, here's what he did. The Bible says he built an altar. That's worship. So now, instead of Isaac being number one, he's putting God first. And then the Bible says he pitched a tent. What does that mean? He put his family second, and then Isaac was third. Let me help you one more time. He built an altar, God first. Second, family. Now, Isaac. Pastor Phil, I thought it was family first, then God. No, it's God first, then family then you, right? Husband, it's not your wife first, it's God first. And if you put God first, he will help you love your wife like you've never loved before. Ladies, your husband is not your God. He is not to be worshiped. I know he looks good and he doesn't post selfies, but you keep posting pictures of him and seeing how cute he is and people are liking it. And he is, he is cute. He is God's creation. Oh, thank you, Jesus, but he is not God. Because the moment you set someone else to be God, you are going to be crushed when they disappoint you. But you put them there. And so my number one love of my life is not my wife. It's God. Because I know couples that suck the life out of their spouse and your spouse was never meant to be your life. God was meant to be your life. So guess what? I suck the life out of him. And because I do that, I have life to give. And my wife's number one priority is not Phil Valdez. It's Jesus Christ. And you know what? When she's going to Jesus and I'm going to Jesus, we come back two healthy people instead of two fragmented people trying to draw life from each other. We're actually drawing life from the very source of life and giving life to each other. That's a healthy relationship. I talk to couples all the time and man, the guy just sits there and he literally looks like a raisin because the wife just sucked the life out of him. (laughs) I want to get a pump and put it like somewhere in his ear and just go. (laughs) There you are. Vice versa. Let me just say it because it needs to be said. Your kids are not your God either. I love my son, but he is not Jesus. And I see every time that priority shifts, you put your husband before Jesus, you put your kids before Jesus, you're setting your family up to fail. People ask me all the time as a pastor, how do you do it with the church and and your son and your family? You know, how do you have family time? How do you have church time? Can I just tell you, this is what we say, church is family time. Church is family time, we do it together. My son's back there helping, volunteering. We give him five bucks a Sunday. But anyway, to help. But, (laughs) right, some of you pay your your kids, right, to do uh, chores. We pay him when he comes to church and he helps. He gets $5 a Sunday. Why? I'm building a habit in him. And so he's back there, my wife's back there, and we do this together as a family. And you know what? All of us are serving God together. Can I hear a good amen? And so Isaac... Instead of him being first, he's God first now, builds an altar, and then pitches his tent, his family, and then he puts himself third. Pastor Phil, why do you keep saying this? Let me just tell you this. Because again, when you're in a famine and you're in loss, usually the person you put first is you. Because I'm hurting. I know. But let God heal your hurt. Let him, right? Right? Let's end with this. Look at the level of restoration in Isaac's life. Look at what God does because he sowed, he got his priorities right. God's restoration will make you a resource for other. The Philistine king comes back to Isaac and says this, verse 28. But they said, we are certainly, watch this, I love this. This is the Philistine king talking to Isaac. We have certainly seen the Lord is with you. Woo, come on somebody who is an enemy of God is looking at them and saying, God is with you. Come on, let that be your prayer that people see God in your life. So we said, let there be now an oath between us. Now he's concerned for his own life. So he is gonna make an oath with Isaac, right? Verse 21, that you may not harm us since we have not touched you and since we have done you no harm, right? And then he says, you are now blessed of the Lord. This is coming from somebody who doesn't worship God. Verse 30. So he made them a feast and they ate and they drank and they arose early in the morning and they swore an oath to one another and Isaac sent them away and they departed from him in peace. Look what God did in Isaac's life. He did Proverbs sixteen seven. When a man's ways please the Lord, he will make even his enemies at peace with him. Man, that's powerful. In my church family, God restores. And God can make you flourish in a time of famine. Don't fear the famine. Fear God. Look at him today. And in the midst of the famine, no matter where you are, he's right with you today. And don't draw back. So let God allow your life in restoration to become a resource for others can I just say this as I close today? Quit believing the lies that you're past, right? That the best days are behind you. We need to stop believing that, right? We need to stop believing that things would have been great. Oh, if just that wouldn't have happened. Oh, if I just didn't meet that person, Pastor Phil, if that wouldn't have gone wrong if this wouldn't have happened. Quit believing your past is your prophecy. It's not. God has a future for your life. Yes, it happened. Yes, you were there. But can I just tell you today, God is here with you. And he wants the people that hurt you to wake up one day like King Abimelech. He wants them to wake up one day and look at you and say, wow, look how God has blessed you. Come on, somebody. He can do that. Your life can be flowing in the midst of famine. And that's what restoration can do. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.